Paul, and he's been such a blessing in my life. He has come down many, many times <clears throat> to, uh, to, the, to Chicago, and we go to the same place, and we have potato leek soup. How many got into on some of the potato leek soup action, those members of the choir? God bless you. You were blessed by that. I know you were. And I'm so grateful for, for the friendship that I have with him and that we have with you. And I remember, too, where we were talking when I could see that, like, something switched in his heart, that he was going for it and that this, this wonderful church was going to be born it took a while. He never told me the name. I think I called one day and, and found out when they answered the phone. And I was like, praise God. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to share a word in a minute. But can I say this? Is that we're praying that, that your church would truly fulfill its name. That it would really fulfill its name. The origin of that word tabernacle comes from Exodus 25, 8, which is the key verse of the book of Exodus, where God said this. God said, build me a tabernacle. In the NIV, it's sanctuary. Build me a tabernacle, he said, so that I can dwell among you. That's what the Lord said. He said, build a sanctuary, a place that I can come and dwell among you. And God desired that in this tabernacle in the Old Testament, he desired, he set it up in a very specific way. And he desired, first of all, that as he would come down to meet with them, right, he desired that the people would worship him. He desired that people would gather together in that tabernacle, that the Israelites, and that through sacrifices and through offerings, that they would worship him. And you know why? Because God is worthy to be praised. How many believe that God is worthy to be praised? Can I see your hand? Let's put our hands together. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, O oh God. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. See, the, the world does not recognize how worthy God is. The world does not recognize that, but the people of God recognize it. Don't you recognize it? Amen? And that's why we sing and glorify His name and, and, and magnify His name. And then secondly, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, Harbor Rock Tabernacle. Wherever people really worship God, wherever they lift up the name of God, where people praise him, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so the second thing that God wanted, the second thing that God wanted in this tabernacle was that people would experience him. And here's what we pray. We pray this for our church when we started our church 10 years ago, we prayed this over and over and over again. And here's what we prayed. We said, God, we don't care what color people are. We don't care what condition they're in. 
We don't care what their situation or what their circumstances. They could be a green alien from the planet Mars. When they walk through the doors, Lord, we want them to experience you. We want people to walk in the doors and say, like they said in, 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 uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians, that when the people are worshiping God and seeking God and the, the gift of God is flowing through that environment, right, that people would say, now God is among those people. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if when I drove up here, there was a, a group of people getting out of a car, it was a bunch of girls and a couple guys, and, and uh, I, they're not here right now. I, I don't see them. And, and um, when I look at people, you know, here's what I, what I see. I see people need Jesus. How many, how many know that I need Jesus and you need Jesus? And guess what? Everybody needs Jesus. Amen? Wouldn't it be wonderful for people to walk through the doors of your meetings and they would say, I don't understand all this religious mumbo-jumbo stuff, but I feel Jesus here. That's why he wanted a tabernacle. He wanted a tabernacle. And then the last reason was, is so that all of the neighboring nations would see the blessing of God on the nation of Israel because they put God first, because they sought Him, all of the nations will start to turn and say, I want some of that. I want some of what those people... I want to serve the God of the Israelites because He dwells with them. And isn't it wonderful to know that our God is different from all the other gods? People worship... They, they burn incense and they chant and they bow down five times a day. They blow a horn and everything. But God never comes. But we say we can speak differently. We can say, guess what? Jesus, our God, he came and he showed up and he lives in our heart. Aren't you thankful that he lives in your heart? Could we praise him one more time? Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Who's in, who's in Harbor Rock Tabernacle? I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. Wow. I'm jealous. This is too fast, brother. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Could we praise God for, for this collection already? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now listen, take the hand. Take the hand of someone who's standing with you. Just take their hand. And I want... I want Chicago Tabernacle, I want you to, to stand up and, uh, and stretch out your hands toward them. And we're going to pray, God, let this church be a fulfillment of your word. Let this church fulfill your desires. God, we pray for Harbor Rock Tabernacle right now, oh God. We pray for Pastor Paul, oh God, and his wife, oh Lord, and the leadership team and all of the people in the congregation. And God, we pray, we thank you for this church, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for this collection, this beautiful, wonderful collection of people, oh Lord. And Father, we pray today, Lord God, that this would be a place where your glory dwells and where your presence dwells, Lord God, where you are, are magnified and glorified, Lord, and when pe where people experience your presence, O oh Lord. 
And God, where people, oh God, from surrounding neighborhoods, oh God, and communities, they would say there's a place where the glory of God dwells and I'm hungry for it and I'm jealous for it. And God, I pray that there will never ever be a building that will fit, oh God, the people that you are drawing into this place, oh God. So God, whatever, whatever they need, provide it, Lord Jesus. Whatever they need to learn, oh God, teach them, oh God. Visit them by your mighty power, Lord. Let them see the mighty works of God. We trust you. Keep them encouraged and strong in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now listen, I'm going to share something so that we can all pray together in a few moments. It's Sunday night. We've been in a number of services already. I don't need to say too much, but I have to tell you something. I haven't been in a Sunday night service in a while. And there's something special about seeking God on Sunday night. You know? Because think about what people are right now. They're sitting on their bed and watching a football game and eating and gaining weight and doing all kinds of stuff. Not us. We're here seeking the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Special things happen when people seek God together at night. And, and uh, today, after the second service, I walked out um, and I talked to a bunch of people. And we have two meetings and they're very intense. And uh, so anyway, at the end of the second service, a guy said, Pastor, can I follow you? I got to ask you a question. And he asked me some deep theological question, Pastor Paul, about... If the devil was cast out of heaven like lightning because God can't deal with sin because he's holy and he cast them out, then why in the book of Job, when the angels were there, was Satan allowed in? And I was like, oh, snap, brother, come on now, man, you're killing me. You know? And, uh, but I said, you know, here's, here's what you're asking. And uh, it just got me thinking and, and, uh, and I was actually praying a couple of weeks ago, and a very similar thought came. So I said, Lord, that's you. I said, you know what it is, brother? It's there's something in, uh, in theology called the decrees of God. The decrees of God. Now, if you ever ask yourself, Lord, why did you make the world the way you made it? And uh, especially over the last couple of years, I have to tell you, Ministry is more challenging than ever before because the times are so hard. Times are just flat out difficult and hard. And uh, uh, haven't you ever had the thought in your mind, Lord, you could have just made everything perfect. You know, why is that? And uh, because of I've been thinking about this a lot, I even started to preach about the character of God because as I've 
contemplated the, the, the great difficulty that so many people are going through and the challenges and the struggles, one of the things that the Lord has been ministering to me is, well, teach the people about me and cause them to focus their hearts on me. And we've just been doing a series titled uh, Visions of God, and it's been a, a series about the character of God. And as I went through that study, I discovered... Again, I read this in Bible school, but I was reminded that there's something called the decrees of God. Without getting too heavy on a Sunday night, listen to this. The decrees of God may be defined as God's eternal purposes based on his most wise and holy counsel. Okay? The decrees of God may, define, may be defined as God's eternal, not momentary, not temporary, not like a two-year cycle, eternal purposes, right? Based on what? His most wise and holy counsel. Okay, so here's a couple of, there are a number more, but here's a couple of the key ones that really can stick it to us from time to time. Here's a doozy. First of all, God decreed to permit sin. God decreed to permit sin. It's nice to see that no one's jumping around and uh, shouting hallelujah for that one. That's our biggest problem, right? But God in his most holy wise counsel, he decreed to permit sin. We don't understand it, but that's the way this world is. That's the facts. Secondly, God determined to overrule sin. There's some good news, amen. How many are happy for that decree? God said, I'm going to allow a world when, where Adam and Eve are going to be able to choose sin, and that sin is going to be a terrible thing. But even though they do that, I'm going to overrule sin. He determined that he was going to overrule sin. Thirdly, God determined that he would save people from their sin. He determined that before the foundations of the earth. God determined that he would save people from their sin. And here's the last one. Then I want to read a verse to you. And say a couple of things and we'll pray together. Right? God determined that he would reward those who believe in the midst of all of the sin. And God determined it in his most holy wise counsel. Right? God determined that in this difficult and dark and challenging world... He would have a people that would look to him. And as they looked to him, he was going to overrule sin. And he was going to save souls. And then for those that would seek him, he would reward them. Because in the midst of hardship, in the midst of the ups and, and the downs and the twists and the turns and the disappointments, he would look down and there would be a people that say, God, I believe you and I trust you. And though you slay me, I will, I will follow you and trust you, God. It doesn't make sense. Haven't you had those seasons when it doesn't make sense? But you say, God, it doesn't make sense, but I believe. 
God said, those people, I will reward them. I will reward them. So, so I want to read a verse to you, and I want to, I want to say this. I want to say this to you. First of all, if you've ever asked yourself, God, what are you doing? For example, we've got some people at our church that have been, that have been out of work for a while. We just had a young man, 16 years old. He lost his mother. You know, just in the last couple of weeks, so many difficult things and hardships. One thing is for sure, God promised in his word that he would never leave us nor forsake us. God never abandons his people. Sometimes it can look like he abandons us. But just because it looks like he's abandoned us, how many know God is faithful to himself and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When the disciples were in a boat with him at one time, Jesus fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, a storm kicked up and the disciples started to flip out and say, God, you forgot us. And then he, he woke up and did a double rebuke. He rebuked the waves and he rebuked the disciples. He said, what's wrong with you guys? Don't you know I'll never abandon you? I'll never abandon you. I'll never let you down. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because if I leave you, then I won't overrule sin. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you no matter how hard it is. No matter how difficult times get. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He promised that. So then you say, God, what is it that you are doing And here's the verse I want to read out of the book of Deuteronomy. Just listen to this, okay? Because this, God is not abandoning us, but there are some things that he's doing. And listen to what this says. Listen to this verse. It says, before our eyes, the Lord, I need those double things, but I'm not getting them. You know what I'm saying? I'm fighting to the very end. Amen is right. Before our eyes, listen, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised uh, on oath. To our forefathers. Before our eyes. The Lord sent miraculous signs. And wonders great and terrible. Upon Egypt and Pharaoh. And his whole household. But he brought us out from there. To bring us in. And give us the land that he promised. On oath. To our forefathers. So even though God allowed in his most high and holy wisdom that there would be an Egypt and that there would be a Pharaoh and that at that time that that Pharaoh would be the greatest power of the world. He was the reigning power of the world at the time. Even though God allowed that at a certain point, God came upon that place and he brought them right out of there by his powerful hand. But then it says, not only did he bring them out, but he brought them out for a reason. He brought them out to bring them in 
to the promised land. And so listen, here's the thought I want to leave with you. Okay, even when the world doesn't make sense, right? We know. We know the world doesn't make sense because God allowed it to be that way. And when we get to heaven, it'll make sense. On this side, what do we do? We trust and believe. Amen. We trust that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But here's the thing. God doesn't abandon us, but he's always doing one of two things. And the longer I've served the Lord, almost 30 years now, and the more I analyze this, God is always doing one of two things in your life. On one side, he's either bringing you out of something by his mighty power. Sometimes he's bringing you out of something. And you know what? When he's not bringing you out of something, then you know what he's doing? He's bringing you into something. That's the way God is. If you want to know what God is doing, he's doing one of two things. This is for my choir too. I didn't preach this this morning. This is new. This is fresh, guys, right? All the battles, all the challenges, all the struggles. One of the things you learn over the years is that in the life of faith, God is either bringing you out or he's bringing you in. Now, when he brought the Israelites out, he had to fight against Pharaoh. And he had to break the back of Pharaoh. And he had to bring back down that power. And we praise God because uh, 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 the way they got out of Egypt is uh, after a series of plagues and demonstrations of the power of God. There was one night where they took blood and they put it on the doorposts. And God said, whatever door, whatever home has blood over the doorpost." That home, I'm going to pass over. I'm going to send an angel of death. And I'm going to bring death to Egypt. I'm the firstborn is going to die. I'm going to show Pharaoh that he is not God. That he is not the power. And God broke the back of Pharaoh. And all of the Israelites, even though, come on, don't you know that some of those Israelites were rascals? Right? How many are thankful that even though you're a rascal, you're under the blood of Jesus? Can I get an amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. That's confession is good for the soul. And you need to say, I'm a rascal, but I'm under the blood of Jesus. And so when you give your heart to the Lord, that's the beginning of, of that, of God bringing you out because he breaks the power of Satan over your life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to receive Jesus as Lord. Because until you receive Jesus as Lord, you are bound by powers of darkness. The Bible says that we are dead in our sin. We can't do anything but sin. That's that rascal thing inside of us. How many know you got to teach your babies to, to, to uh, behave well? You don't have to teach them to behave badly. How many can say amen? We got three and we know about that. But when they turn 17, they're, they're really good, Annie. My daughter's here, so got to clean it up, right? Right? That's the beginning of it. But listen, brothers and sisters, here's a struggle. And maybe we could pray about this tonight. Even after they left Egypt, even after Pharaoh broke the back, even though after Pharaoh's back was broken, as they were going by, because they struggled with the future. 
they were always looking back to Egypt. They kept looking back. And when God is bringing you out, one of the things that has to happen is you have to gain the faith. And this is what God rewards. You have to gain the faith to let go of the familiar. Let go of the false comfort. They used to say we used to have onions and leeks when we were back in Egypt. Now we're only getting men. And they were like complaining. That was the worst food. People were whipping their backs. And, and sometimes we look back to the world and we have our old ways and we have our traditions. And let me tell you something, Harbor Rock. Tradition is a curse. Tra tradition makes people dead. Tradition, there's no life in it. And some people, they're like bound by Egypt. They don't want to let go of their traditions. And God is saying, I have a completely new thing for you. I'm bringing you out of that. I'm bringing you out of death. I'm bringing you into life. But well, we're used to eating onions and leeks. We have church at 9 o'clock and it lasts 42 minutes and, and, uh, and, and, and 29 seconds. And if it's over, we got to go. Thank you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Traditions, rituals, and listen to what the Lord says. He says, I want you to let go of that. How many, how many don't want Egypt and any form of it to have any grip on us? How many would say amen? God, free us from that, Lord Jesus. And that's something that God does by his mighty power it's a work that he does in his people it is impossible to be the genuine article in god and still be holding on to egypt that's why he brought us out how many would say amen and so you know what we want to pray is because all of us come to a point in life this is a constant cycle that we go through where god is saying let it go but God, I let go this, and I let go that, and I let go that. And you know what God says? I want you to let go some more. And maybe you're here today, and the reason why you're here is that God wanted to zero in on something in your life that he's saying, let it go. Let it go because that's going to hold you back. See, looking back to the false comforts of Egypt was what tormented the Israelites. And that's why he brought them out, right? He, he didn't want them to be bound by that. And so at the end of this time, we're going to pray. We're going to pray, God, help us to, to let things go. Do you know, uh, I grew up in a, a, a certain kind of spiritual tradition. When I went to church, uh, where I went to church, you wore your Sunday best. We wore a shirt and a tie and a suit. And when we started the church, a shirt and tie and suit. And, uh, 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 you know, at least a blazer. Like, I, I'm glad you got it going on, Pastor Paul. They got the blazer, you know. I don't know about him singing in the choir if I could just. But that's a whole other issue. We'll talk about that later. Got to talk to the choir director about who he lets in the choir. But we'll talk about that later, brother. Come on, man. You can't, you know. I know you're desperate, but come on, man. You know? But listen, we used to wear a shirt and tie 
and all this. And I was preaching one day, and there's some young professionals in the meeting. And they were they were just looking up there, and they weren't dressed like I was. And I'm preaching the word of God, and and I'm thinking to, it's like a thought flashed. Where well, these young guys are supposed to say, "That's a spiritual version of that's I should be like that. I should be like these people." But they saw us, and we're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna just we're not gonna change. We're gonna be the same, and we're not gonna change. We always wore a suit. Everybody wears a suit." And it's like. I'm thinking about that guy saying, you know, I like this group, but I'm not like them. They're not like me. I don't want to be part of them. But Paul said, he said, I become all things to all men that I might win them. So you know what we did? We changed. We just changed our tradition. We just, this is what we used to do. We're not doing that anymore. You know what we're going to do? We're going to let it go. We're going to let it go. But then on the other side, right? On the other side, it says he brought them out, but not just so that they could be out. He brought them out so that he could bring them into the promised land. It's like, uh, let's take Horatio, right? God has a plan for Horatio. God has a plan. God has been hunting Horatio down, and uh, it's just half cooked. It's not finished yet, you know. God still is going to do something in a, that's going to be mighty, you know. And even though Horatio's singing in the choir, Horatio, where are you, brother? Raise your hand. You here? Oh, they, is there? He's hiding. There he goes. See, there he is hiding. <laughs> Stop hiding and running, brother. You already testified you don't run, right? You see Horatio? He's in the choir. He serves here. His wife serves there. But God has something more for him. And once you let go, then you got to have the faith to say, God, I'm going to step out in you, Lord Jesus, and I'm going to follow you into the promised land. In other words, brothers and sisters, God always has something new in your walk with him. There's always something new he wants to do. There's a new place he wants to bring you to. There are new uh, 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 um, levels of spirituality. You know, we have a prayer meeting now. And when we first started the prayer meeting 10 years ago, uh, uh, I used to leave every prayer meeting with just puddles of sweat in my shoes because it was such a hard meeting and it was so discouraging. And it was like, Lord, there's nobody here. How do you, you know, people got to come, Lord, if you're going to pray. You know what I'm saying? Was, nobody was there. And, and Lord, and, and, but, but it was like, no, I want, you to, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to step out. And people started to come. And sometimes when people would come, they would just sit there and watch while other people prayed. But over time, everybody started to pray. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of the fact that when I first became a Christian, I remember telling a guy from my Bible study, I said, yo, I'm really becoming godly. You know what I did? I prayed today. I'm telling you, I prayed about four minutes I'm serious, man. I prayed about four minutes. I was doing business with God. 
you know, for four minutes. And maybe you're here today and you're doing business with God for four minutes a day. And you know what? God wants to, God wants to expand your relationship with him. And he wants, to, he wants to teach you more about the Bible. How many want to know more of his word? Amen. And he wants to teach you more about his spirit and more about his plan. And, and the more you get to know him, the more he starts to use you. And he has a promised land. Let me tell you something. God has a promised land for Harbor Rock Tabernacle. God has a promised land for the marriages in Harbor Rock Tabernacle. God has a promised land for teenagers at Harbor Rock Tabernacle. And for, for our church too. God has places that he wants us to go. But you know what? Whereas over here they had to let go. Over here. And I'm going to close with this thought over here when they went into the promised land they had to fight he brought them out from Egypt and one of the things they had to do is let go but when he was bringing them in to the promised land you know what had to be done they had to fight and they had to fight and they had to fight and you might be here today how many have some things that God has shown you that he wants to give you. Could I see your hand? Like a promised land for your life. Could I see your hand? If you don't, if you don't, then you need to ask God, God, where do you want me to go? Where are you taking me? Because everyone should be able to say, yeah, I see where God is taking me. I can see it. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I could see it. And, and God showed them, I'm taking you. I'm taking you there. And then you know what they had to do? They had to fight in the name of Jesus and believe. We fight for marriages. We pray. We fight for children. We call upon the Lord and we believe God. And sometimes people are battling and struggling with sin. And you know what we tell them? We tell them, fight in the name of Jesus. Get some verses in your heart. Right now, there's a, a, a young man who came, in, who came to our church for the second time. Do we have a couple singers who could come and get ready to help me? He came to our church this Sunday for the second time, and his face is all swollen, and his name is Michael. I want you to pray for Michael, okay? The first time I met Michael was a couple months ago, and Michael came to the front of our church, and he had a giant can of beer, and he was kind of half drunk. He was pretty lit up, but he wanted to talk, so I took him in the office, and uh and he would talk and cry and talk and cry. And I was just giving him some Bible verses. He said, why are you talking to a drunk? I don't know, but I believe that the Spirit is able to sober someone up. I'm going to say amen. And I saw that there were certain moments where Michael was getting clear. Just slipped the word of God in and then he would slip into something else. And I would just kind of laugh and chuckle say, this is a new experience, Lord. Drunken guy. And, and uh, so anyways... He got hit in the head. I don't know what he was doing, but he got hit in the head. He got struck in the head pretty seriously. And he was uh, uh, leaking fluid out of his brain. And uh, the word we got from the hospital was, this is very serious, very, very serious. We don't know if, if this doesn't stop, he won't make it, was the word we received. And we prayed in the prayer meeting again. And it stopped. And then after it stopped... He got, I don't know, but miraculously, this happened like a Wednesday. He came to church on Sunday. His mother came. 
And he came up to the front. And I said, how many knocks in the head do you need, brother? Don't you know? Don't you know that we're fighting for you in the spirit and God is, God is going to get your life. I just, how many know God's going to get Michael? Amen? Hallelujah. We just hope it doesn't take a few more knocks. I said, but God's going to get your life. God loves you, Michael. And we're fighting and we're believing. And Michael looked at me and his mother was there. And I just, I didn't know this, but his mother was kind of backslidden away from the Lord. And I saw her at the altar today crying. And, uh, and you know what? We're fighting for them. We're fighting for them. All of us are a product of people praying for us when we were not right. And, 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 and we're products of praying for things and believing God for things that we didn't have. But faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. It could be a child away from the Lord. It could be a broken marriage. It, it doesn't matter what the situation. When you pray and you fight, there's a spiritual warfare where they fought and then they came into the promised land. God gives you the promise of the promised land, but you have to fight. You have to fight. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Fight for your church. Fight for the city. Can I get an amen? Fight for Racine. That's what the people of God do. They fight. And so, you know what? You're here today. Some people are in transition. And you're going from one thing to another. And you know what God is saying? God is saying, let it go. Don't look back. Because I have some new things for you. Just let it go. Stop going to what's comfortable and what... What, what you used to do and what you like to do. Who cares what you used to do and what you like to do? How many know the only thing that counts is what God wants you to do? Amen? And then some of us, God brought us out, but he doesn't bring you out so that you could just be comfortable. He brings us out so that he could bring us in. So that he can take us to the new place. We're praying for a building. We're fighting in prayer for a building and all sorts of different things. And, and uh, we might have to fight, but how many know God is going to give it to us? So I wonder if you're here today and, that's, and you're in that place. You're in a place where you're in transition and you don't know exactly and you got to, it's like, no. Let it go. Let what you used to be and what you used to do. And, and I, I suspect with all of these believers, brother, did, every, did you have one service and all of these people got saved or no, right? This is like a group of believers. Well, you know what? There's some things that have to be left behind. I don't know what they are. The Holy Spirit has to show you. But there are certain things that have to be let go. He brings you out. And you can't look back. That's why he brought you out so you could be out of there. Right? If God brings you out of a situ sinful situation, it's so that you could leave it. Amen? You just got to let it go. Or now God is showing you new things and he's saying to fight. Could we stand and sing this song? I need you more. I need you more.